Welcome to Blinter Vista, episode 270. My name is Andrew, and I'm here in a corporate high-rise which has just been taken over by a team of nondescript international terrorists. As I handsomely take charge of the situation in an alpha male-type manner, taking the radio off a terrorist that I've just incapacitated and slapping scents into various women around the room, I hear the panicked shrieking of a thin, sweat-drenched man. Tears and snot run freely from his face as he begs us all to turn ourselves over, saying things like, It's the only way, and maybe we can work out some kind of concubine arrangement. Between guttural sobs. It's Theo. Oh. Hi, Theo. Hey, hey. <laughs> you, you, hold, you hold it together, buddy? <laughs> That's, you're going to give away our position really quick. I'm very slippery as well, so... <laughs> It's the only reason you've stayed alive, is every time a terrorist tries to grab you, you, you like, slip out of his hands like a bar of soap and shoot down the hole. Firing me through vents. Oh, boy. Like a bar of soap. <laughs> Just pinging around through the duct system. Everybody hearing it as he shoots from floor Thump. to floor. Uh, I quiet Theo down as I sense activity with my many heroic senses, such as a heightened smelling capability. And I smell terror. Exiting the elevator on our floor, I see several nondescript terrorists who aren't from any obvious country that would impact our box office. And following them out is the obvious leader of the group. An international terrorist of the most villainous nationality of all. An amiable Queenslander. It's Ben! Hey, good day. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, what could be worse? What could be worse? He's offering everyone a drink. I'd like to be one of those amiable villain types. People seem to really like them when they're like yeah. a bad guy, but they're quite charming. You kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah, you would have to do the occasional explosive violence, though. Oh, you have to do that thing to remind people that you're dangerous, even yeah. though you're quite... Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what makes it scary. You're like, he's been acting really nice, and then he cut my hand off. Yeah, he walked over to that guy who was his employee and then cut his throat with a box cutter. Yep. That was yep. that that scene might be the single reason I will never watch Breaking Bad again because I I struggled so badly with watching watching that part. Oh, I thought you were talking about the part in um uh Die Hard 3 where the villain cuts the guy's throat, but that's with like a curved very cool-looking knife. Mm. Also like no, and it's his, and it's his, it's his uh femme fatale that does it as well. Oh yeah, she does some cool Cool I'm going to watch Die Hard 3 again. I only watched it about 900 times when I was 10 years old. And it's worth watching again. John yeah. McTiernan, the goat. You know? Well, what's this? The elevator door dings again and another figure emerges. Who could it be? It's the guy who refills our vending machines. It's Max <laughs> Laverne, beloved <laughs> author and host of the new podcast, The Horse and the Rider. This is great. The, the, you know, people would love to see that guy coming in that scenario. Uh, it, he's, it's just, you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about him. He's not going to do anything bad. He's just going to bring some drinks. Yeah, and that yeah. could be what everyone, maybe the terrorists are only being terrorists because uh, they're a little dehydrated. Mm. Maybe he's going to solve all the problems. But yeah, they're... share a Coke with a <laughs> domestic <laughs> terrorist. I actually also think that um, just um, going back to what Ben was saying about uh, being one of those charming villains mm. who's charming most of the time and then occasionally has a you know an outburst of violence, um, that's a really good way to do it because I think that what would be quite taxing if you were a villain was to remember to be villainous 
constantly. It would be yeah. a drain. Yeah. Uh, if you're the charming kind, you just tie a little string around your finger and occasionally be like, oh, <laughs> hang on, it's violence time, and then you can just go back to doing you. Well, yeah, yeah, it's easier because uh, I, I, think, I think it's more effective too because everybody it kind of keeps everybody on their toes because mm. they're kind of thinking, oh, this dude seems pretty cool, but then they remember what you did last Thursday at the terrorist yeah. clubhouse and they go, ooh, I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't be caught slipping around this guy. Whereas, if you're trying to do violence around the clock, I think number one, retention is going to be an issue within mm-hmm. your organization. Um, I think you're going to have trouble keeping people on. I think you're going to have like huge turnover, really. Um, and also, you know, when you do forget, because. You know, you can't do it all the time. Occasionally, you're going to forget and you're going to say, oh, did you guys see Better Call Saul last <laughs> night? Mm. And everyone's going to go, oh, really? He's losing his edge. He's not scary yeah, at all anymore. This guy's not scary anymore. He's and not you're going to want to talk about Better Call Saul. <laughs> yes, exactly. So unless you want to maintain a second friendship group where you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> the big bad from Bone Tomahawk. Really lively darts player. Mm. <laughs> can't let anyone know, though. No. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that that's the the way to do it because then you know you can just you can just act natural, you can just you can just have fun with it most of the time, and every now and then you see that piece of string. Oh, time to throw somebody out of the car. Time to toss someone off the roof of this building. You know. Hey, um, can I can I tell you guys um something really quick? Yeah, yeah okay. I reckon. Okay, so um, I was listening to last week's episode uh, about Papa Gino. Um, right. and so, I mean, I, I feel like you guys probably occupy a similar place, um, in your family unit, whatever that may be, as I do. Um, I consider myself a proficient Googler. If there's mm-hmm. an answer to be found, I'll be the one to find it. <laughs> and so when I was listening to that episode, I was like, come on, how hard could it be to find out which <laughs> one is Pizza Man? This can't be that difficult. So I went Googling and, you know, understandably, I couldn't find it. Like, of course, like if the answer was to be found on the internet, then you, Andrew, would have already found it. <laughs> well, I, I went directly to the source and I asked the social media manager of Papagino's Pizza. Um, now, before Andrew, before yep. you tell us what answer you got, uh, yep. which will only muddy the waters. <laughs> <laughs> Max put in the hard yards for us okay. as a special, complete, completely unprompted treat. Um, Max has compiled uh, a little audio file there yeah, for us. And so, I consider myself something of an audio file. And, uh, yeah, I, I basically I called up a bunch of Papa Gino's restaurants in the New Hampshire area. <laughs> and, and I just asked the person that I was talking to um, to tell me who was who, uh, which you would okay. think was straightforward. All right. Are we ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready, but hit the play button anyway. Here we go. Hey, thanks for choosing Papa Gino's. We'll be right with you to take your order. Thanks for calling up Papa Gino's. It's a pickup or delivery. Um, It's actually an unrelated question. Okay. I was looking at Papa Gino's mascots, and so there's the chef who wears shades, and then there's the slice of pizza with arms and legs, (laughs) and I didn't know which one was Pizza Man. And I really want to know. What was that? So, so there's like there's the, the there's the guy with the red hat and the glasses. So there's that mascot, and and then there's the other one who's just a big slice of pizza, and he's got arms and legs. 
and one of them is Pizza Man, but I couldn't find any information on which one is Pizza Man. Uh, I'm not sure. Do you know what the name of what's the name of the chef one? I honestly don't even know. Uh, is there anybody that does? Uh, let me see. Okay, thank you. Hello. Oh, hi. I just wanted to know which one was Pizza Man because I, I I felt like either of them could be Pizza Man. You got a point there. Uh, it, it might be it might be Slice Man there for the pizza slice. Oh, he's called Slice Man. It might be. Oh. I'm not. I can't. You can't quote me, but I might be Slice Man. Well, what about the chef? What's his name? That might be Papa Gino. So neither of them is Pizza Man. <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 not a hundred percent honest. Um. Don't wait on hold. Order online at papaginos.com. Last off, Papa Gino's supposed to be a delivery robot. And I didn't know which one was Pizza Man, and I was wondering if you could tell me. Whichever man do you preferably think of? <laughs> probably the pizza. They can't both be Pizza Man. Yeah. They're both Pizza Man? <laughs> Thank you for calling your local Papa Gino. Thank you for holding. How can I help you? We didn't know. It used to be the slice of pizza. Oh, so the chef is the it, it was it was the chef. It went to the slice of pizza. We went back to the chef. His what? name is Papa Man. So who's Pizza Man? Yeah, it, it was it's Papa Man or, or Pizza Man. They're both one of the same. Okay, so wait, so the same guy is Papa Man and Pizza Man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for choosing Papa Gino's. We'll be right with you to take the. It was obviously hot. Thank you for choosing Papa Gino's. Did I pick up a delivery today? I know right. one of them is Pizza Man, but I don't know which one it is. I am pretty sure it's the slice. Okay, that makes sense. What's the chef called? I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I've been here for tw- 20 years, and I, I honestly have no idea. But he's the one on the logo. The only reason why I know the pizza one was called the Pizza Man was because at one point we had the costume here. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure, anytime. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, I hope that's made it clear. <laughs> I, love the, I love the manager at the first place just going completely off script and inventing it. <laughs> slice <laughs> character. Man. Old cloth. Oh, yeah, that's Slice Man. <laughs> I, I appreciated the level of um, detachment from the person who said, it's, it's whichever one it's whichever you want one. it to be. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's their guy. He's their guy. And nobody knew. That's not like, I mean, obviously I've edited that, but that is everyone I talked to. And I did not talk to a person who could definitively say, uh, this is, uh, uh, you know, and this is the other guy. So what I've gleaned from that is that the, the chef is Papa Man, which again is a bewildering choice for a restaurant called Papa Gino's to call Gino's. the man Papa Man. Yeah. And the slice of pizza is Pizza Man. So... This was my belief as well, right? Because we we had established in the article that we discussed on the previous episode that um, that there was a, a pizza man mascot. And then when I started looking at the mascots, I got the anthropomorphic slice of pizza and the Papagino, who looks like a big a big Super Mario with sunglasses. Looks like cool Super Mario. Uh, so I I I went to Twitter. And I said, hello, at Papaginos, can you please let me know which of the two mascots pictured is Pizza Man? And on the left, I have a, a picture of of the man. <laughs> and on the right, 
I have a picture of the man who is a pizza. Uh, also, what is the name of the mascot who is not Pizza Man? Thank you in advance, because I want to, I want to clear this up. I want to know what both of them are called. I don't just want to know which of them is Pizza Man. Mm. So I, I feel like that was a pretty clearly enunciated request. I've attached pictures separately of, of two mascots. I've said, this is the one on the left, this is the one on the right. Which of them is which, and what's the name of the other one? I feel like that's, that's a pretty clear set of requirements. The official Papagino's Twitter account has responded... Pictured on the left, which is the mustachioed sunglasses guy, is Papa Man. <laughs> and on the right is what we'll be having for dinner. <laughs> Don't be fucking clever with it. Tell no, me what he's called. Just give us an answer. Also, why are you eating why are you eating a slice of pizza with arms and legs? <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> Do you eat the shoes? <laughs> Do you have to take them off? Are they like prawn tails? <laughs> I've so I have been googling this a lot obviously and have run into the same roadblocks that you found max that we've all found that anyone searching for knowledge on this issue has found uh the best thing i've found so far is that there is a pizza restaurant in romania called pizza papa man (laughs) so i I hope that helps clear things up i also thought that an easy way to sort this out would be so we we read a news story saying that pizza man delivered pizzas to some chimpanzees so that I'll just look for footage of it because yeah. surely that would have made the news. There's no video. There's only the one photo and it's of a chimpanzee holding a t-shirt. <laughs> so Pizza Man is not pictured in any of the promotional photos. We found the video, but there was 17 minutes of static in between. <laughs> but are you know, we... we've, th- There's obviously been a lot of time that's been spent on this now, but I think that like, you know, the one other thing that I've found both like confounding and really annoying is... Um, the fact that the the man is called Papa Man, like yeah. so, the restaurant's called Papaginos. So you would think that the you know the obvious name for the guy would be Papaginos, but even if you go a layer beyond that, um, I, I don't think his defining characteristic is that he's a papa. I think <laughs> it's that fatherhood? he's a chef. <laughs> so even to me, Chef Man would be more acceptable than <laughs> Papa Man. This is uh this is making me think of uh recently I went to I went to Melbourne and uh saw my brother and we went to see a, a Melbourne Storm game and they had their mascot running around and it's a guy in a purple suit. Yeah, it's a football guy. And it just says uh, his suit says Storm Man. <laughs> like just and he looks he looks like a superhero kind of thing, but all his whole deal seems entirely unrelated to the concept of a storm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah Nothing no, stormy about him. It's just like, hey, we need a, we need the mascot. Yeah, get they, us the mascot. They ordered like from a from a Halloween, an American Halloween costume thing, and they just stuck the logo on the front. Got some little lightning bolts. Bingo, bango. It's like, what's going on there? It's not doing anything for me. Uh, if we would like a bit of, <laughs> if we would like a bit of mascot perspective here, uh, here's an article from the Sydney Morning Herald from uh, 2018. Robert Shook knows how to pump up a crowd. As Storm Man, 
The mascot for the Melbourne Storm team, the former stuntman, now a juggling and acrobatics teacher, has a fan-rousing weapon tucked up the sleeve of his muscle suit. He can cheer out loud. Unlike other mascots, most what? of whom are voiceless wild animals or birds of prey, Shook earned the right to speak to match supporters in his third season as Storm Man <laughs> back in 2005. How many years have you been Storm Man for? And how did he earn the right? Yeah. What are they, in, are they, they implying that mascots do not have the right to our holy tongue? <laughs> that's, that's the vibe I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> you may not speak Like they all have some sort of curse on them You know Quote Being able to talk allows me to engage with the fans more And be a bit of a stand-up comedian He says oh God. Uh, uh. Like all football mascots Storm Man has had his share of dignity destroying moments <laughs> Including being booed, yelled at And occasionally punched He's also been on the receiving end of a flying beer can or two for which he's had to call security. Uh, oh, that then- is so pedestrian. I was really hoping for something juicier there. Like, <laughs> he got booed. No fucking shit, man. You're a mascot. That's what you're there for 50% of the time. <laughs> oh, you got a beer thrown at you. No shit. It's what people have at football games. Mm-hmm. Give us some well, colour. Now of days, though, you'd be throwing your plastic cup of beer. That's yeah, true. Definitely. And you wouldn't be throwing it because they would have charged you... 20 Australian dollars for it, you know? Yeah, that's for true. A, for a, a, a great northern, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you want to get into it, uh, if you've <laughs> smuggled one onto the site, maybe you're looking to get Ooh. rid of evidence and maybe there's an opportune target there, okay? I, I don't think we need to get into it, but if you want to, I'll put that out there. No, maybe there's a to. guy in a storm costume doing some really, really bad observational comedy. <laughs> and conveniently, <laughs> it's a perfect place to dispose of a beer It would bottle. be so tempting, honestly. <laughs> like, he's covered in foam. So like, he's coming in foam and yeah. he sucks. You know, that's a guy to throw a can at. crime. <laughs> Literally, name yeah. a better person to pelt with a thrown object. I wonder if anybody. Uh, I wonder if anybody's ever done any research into what is what is the perfect amount of beer to drink out of your can before throwing it. Because mm. if you drink all of the beer out of it, it stops yeah. being usable as a missile. Yes, you know. Um, but if you if you crack it and like, I mean. If if you throw it without opening it, I think that's pretty extra mean spirited. That's that's you might as well be throwing half brick, yeah. you know. I don't even uh, want this fucking beer. This I, did, I never so wanted the beer. I fucking hate the storm man. <laughs> Every night I wake up drenched in sweat, thinking about how I can't fucking wait for the next game. Yeah. Smuggle be a real my pistol, four different beers like, in. You're like, oh fuck! They, they didn't even have time to crack open the beer before. <laughs> Concussed me with it. <laughs> it was, is it didn't have time, or were like were so immediately overcome with rage upon yeah. seeing or hearing the the ungodly voice of Storm Man? You know, maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe you're not meant to hear a mascot's mm. voice. No, you're not. hundred no. percent. I don't want to have a chat with them. That's no good. They're meant to come over, and then they go. They do some wordless nodding. They high five some kids. Lots of thumbs up. They're always doing these ones because, mm. which, and this is an audio medium, but you know what a thumbs <laughs> Ben's, up. Ben's currently doing two thumbs up. Double thumbs up. They love doing those ones. It's like the only way they can communicate, really, because everything else comes off as kind of hostile when your well, expression doesn't change. One of the other things you can do, you can flip the birds. You can pretend to be jacking off. Yeah. 
You can act out shitting into your hand and throwing it into the crowd. I don't know what other things you can do besides the thumbs up. <laughs> or in the case of this guy, you can pretend you have muscles. That's, yeah. that's kind of it, I think. You know? Are you tired of paying nothing for the same old superior quality free episodes of the Bunta Vista podcast? Do you want less politics and more content about diarrhea or animals gone wild? Are you tired of skipping through those hours upon hours of paid product placement for Mark Wahlberg film Shooter? Well, boy, do I have the offer of a lifetime for you. That's right, for just five US dollars a month, you too can be a premium VIP member of the Bunta Vista Patreon. That's right, just five US dollars for all of our bonus episodes. That's over 300 hours of content from the hosts you know and definitely tolerate. I'll even throw in access to our glamorous and exclusive Discord server, where bizarre arguments only happen once or twice a week at most. Head to patreon.com slash buntavista. Sign up in the next five minutes and I won't know because that's not my job, but you'll be enjoying the sweet satisfaction of supporting us, and we will love you romantically for it. That's my promise to you. Oh, taking a completely unopened can of Great Northern to the side of the head. It's the one thing we didn't want to happen. I can't find my stinger. There it is. This is the one thing we didn't want to happen. There's too many. Somebody somebody on the Discord just said that uh, the introduction of our most recent segment. Trying to think of what it was. Smells Uh, to make you go, huh? Cousin shit? Cousin shit. They said uh, cousin shit brings us to 39 named segments on this podcast. (laughs) It's not my problem. I want people to understand, if it ever seems like, for some reason, I'm struggling to find the stinger for a particular segment, despite doing this every week, it's because there's 39 segments. Au, au contraire, Andrew. I think, I think you are on the button <laughs> far quicker than anyone I mean, I, I edit out the fumbling around, so to the listener, you are on the button. Smooth. Smooth as butter. You yeah. leave a fair bit of fumbling around in there, though, I reckon. It's comedy fumbling. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, this <laughs> podcast would be 23 minutes long. If it's incompetent fumbling, then that's just, it's not a good oh, look. no, that's not good. <laughs> bit of a fun fumbling or fumbling, hmm. yeah. as I like to call it. Yeah, I guess that's true. Mm. Yeah. This comes to us from bowhunting.com, the website where all four of us spend the most of our time online. Mm-hmm. Chris Landers of Alberta, Canada, is privileged to hunt on some of the most beautiful country on earth each year for elk, bear, and deer. A bit subjective. You know, it, it is very nice. What, what if... Uh, no, nah, I'm not willing to argue this point. It's very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what if I love deserts, you know? I mean, for a start, it's got elk, bear, and deer on there. Uh, yeah. Fewer and fewer with this guy, but um, when you've got those three beasts <laughs> wandering around a landscape, it, it looks good. <laughs> Uh, Chris started bow hunting three years ago with the encouragement of a friend. Since then, a passion for the hunt has continued to burn with each passing season. See a doctor about that. Landers has learned a lot in his short time as a hunter, thanks to the wisdom and guidance of friends. However, nothing prepared him for what would take place in early September while on the mountain in search of elk. Quote, We woke up at 4am on day two of our elk hunt and started making our way up the river said Landers. We let out a few bugles mm-hmm. and had bulls bugling back further up the valley. We closed in on the elk and got to within 35 yards of the bull, but couldn't get a shot. 
We took a break midday to eat and rest up before heading back down into the river bottom. Landis and his friends were planning to ease back down to the river valley and see if they could locate another bull for the afternoon. They made their way across the south-facing slope before stopping to discuss the game plan further. Quote, Once we started walking again, I felt what I thought was a branch hit me in the leg, says Landers. I stumbled forward trying to get off of it, then tripped and fell. I rolled over on my back and saw an arrow missing from my quiver and knew I was in trouble. <laughs> I looked down and saw a rip in my pants and blood was just gushing out of my leg. Ooh. Hmm. One of the arrows in Lander's quiver had been snagged by brush and flipped out, landing knocked down with the broadhead angling up towards Chris. The broadhead entered Chris's shin, angled up his leg into the top of his knee, and lodged in the bottom of his thigh. Oh no! Oh, what a <laughs> series of fucking unfortunate events. It's landed on the ground, point up, and then he has tripped over onto it. I've... I've told you about my friends. Yeah. Oh, like, please don't. Uh-huh. This will be the fucking fifth time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he had this, but tumbling. Straight in the butt. One of the friends immediately pulled his belt off to make a tourniquet, causing his pants to fall down comically. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> got the love heart box. I know exactly on. what I need to do. <laughs> the other friend quickly began to contact emergency services. We hadn't had a lick of cell reception the whole time we were out there, says Landers. But believe it or not, when my friend tried to call 911, he was able to get a call out while we were sitting there on that south-facing slope. Because of the location, it took nearly an hour and a half for emergency crews to arrive on the scene and clear out a landing zone for the air evac crew to land a chopper. Once crews arrived, they immediately began to address the bleeding, apply a fresh tourniquet, and provide Chris with meds. Pretty embarrassing, right? Yeah. Well, like, as as the chopper's landing and they're coming over and it's really noisy, being like, I'm so embarrassed. Oh, jeez. Oh, it's gosh. This is, this is all me, if uh, I'm being honest with you. Butter quivers over here. <laughs> Just slipped on out. Oh. Chris was flown to the hospital for treatment and extraction of the broadhead and remaining piece of the arrow. The broadhead did extensive damage to arteries and nerves in the leg, resulting in a number of surgeries. In fact, Landis has undergone eight surgeries in the last month following the accident. Eight. Yeah, that's a lot. Lord. I don't don't know anything about um, hunting with a bow, obviously. But, uh, you know, like, how how fucking easy is it for an arrow to, to flick out of a quiver? Like, I think he should be securing his load a bit better than that. Yeah. You know, if he's walking around with like a Robin Hood quiver like slung over his back, um, he has partially deserved this. If he's liable to like give out a hearty chortle and then the the shaking spasms of his laughter sends arrows flying into the air and then down upon him, that's on him. I think he didn't want to admit to the news that him and his friends were doing somersaults down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> Wee! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, I haven't rolled down a hill like this since I was in school. (laughs) Wee! Stab. Well, boys, it's time for card wheels. If anything goes wrong, we'll come up with another story. (laughs) I am partially... Like, if they had, let's say, an incident where one of them accidentally shot one of the others... uh, Donald Rumsfeld style? Was who was it that no Dick Cheney. Cheney, Dick Cheney Cheney style. You would just say it was a freak accident where 
your arrow came out and landed knock yeah. first on the ground and then you tripped, wouldn't you? Best, uh, the best thing about the, the Dick Cheney hunting accident thing was that he made the guy that he shot yeah, apologize. Uh, publicly apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good move. <laughs> I'm so sorry for, that this has happened to for you, the guy was saying. Yeah. Um, Thea, you know, how, uh, we, we were talking, not on the show, but recently we were talking about um, uh, that streamer, Adriana Chechik, who jumped into the, the foam pit at TwitchCon. Yeah, it's no good. Uh, when I say foam pit, uh, this is an audio medium, but I'm currently doing doing air quotes around foam pit. Yeah. Because it, it in reality, it seems like it was um, a bunch of blocks of foam. Yeah, about foam surface. W- one foot deep uh, on a concrete floor. And if uh, you're listening to this podcast right now and you jumped into that foam pit at TwitchCon, please write in to let us know, Demi. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, so I, I sent the link about that when it happened to Theo about how she had actually broken her back in two places after doing this like American Gladiator style push the other person off a, off a little platform thing and then she went wee and jumped into the pit and landed on her butt and then started going uh, yeah, and rolling over on her side and just not getting up when anybody was saying hey, get up. Uh, it turns out that... Um, She's she's now had to have like multiple back surgeries. This is her talking about it on October twelfth. Uh, so surgery went well. Five hours and thirty minutes. More fusions than expected. Bones completely crushed and nerve damage to my bladder. It always uh, fucks me up how long surgeries are. Oh man. Like they spend the, what are they doing the whole time? They're just fiddling around in there. You go in, you you snip Smoking the thing the that needs to be snipped, or you sew together the thing that needs to yeah. be sewed together. Just do it. I I get kind of like that with uh, spacewalks, when they're like, <laughs> "Well, we have to do a, a spacewalk to fix this one thing. It's going to be fourteen hours long." I'm like, "Come on, man. Yeah, the ISS is not that big. You're not get sting out having sex. <laughs> That's a great. That's the longest. If you're thing. under thirty, <laughs> go fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh so so she she went on to explain all of this like hey you know a, w- a week later I was able to stand up for the first time. Uh, yeah. It's not yeah, the on- usual experience you get from a foam pit. No. On October 15th she went in for a second surgery uh before being released in the hospital. So having to get uh two surgeries, a bunch of nerve damage bunch of crushed bones all of that shit all because of lenovo <laughs> thanks lenovo they finally did it they make good keyboards though on their laptop so we'll say that so sort of forgive and forget is e- that what you're equal, saying? yeah the thing that's crazy for me about about surgeries um is you know i mean the length, it's like they're doing complicated stuff. You know, if it blows out a little bit, it blows out. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, like, it would be easy, but for them, I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing that I find um, very strange is when they leave stuff in there, um, which yeah, like when they have you know, a little oops a daisy. Yeah, like it's. I'm sure it's messy. You know, like you know, there's there's. There's goo, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of gear in there. But are you um, suggesting that a pair of scissors is a relatively obvious feature when it's inside a human body? 
Well, yeah, I mean, yes, uh, I am saying that, absolutely. But, <laughs> but also, but- the, like, if if this is your workspace, right? Like, okay, you've got a little, um, you've got a little slit in a person that you're working through, um, and then you've got like a whole table where you can store stuff. Mm-hmm. So don't store the stuff in the little slit. <laughs> well, having having played Surgery Simulator. Um, I'd say it's easy for stuff to just go flying around all over the place from what I can see. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but also, not not all surgeries are through a little slit. Like, I, I got my um, I had my appendix removed this year. When I went in, they were like, it's a weird thing for an old guy to do. Um, but that's that's like laparoscopic surgery where it's like three, three like keyhole type things. Uh, around your abdomen, right? So I think like the the biggest incision is like a centimeter across, kind of thing, where they mm. put the camera in. You know, mm. um, it's it just like I I haven't seen that procedure being done, but it fucks me up to think of like they have a couple of different holes, and then so that they can shove like one thing in which has like a camera, and then they can shove two other like long thin tools in with handles, and then they're like independently operating those tools. While they watch the vision on the camera, and that's a very that's a funny visual to mm. me. Um, but there's the other kinds of surgeries where, like, if they need to do something, say, inside your abdomen or whatever, it's not a small incision. They make a great big incision, and they take all of your guts out. Um, and my 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 mum worked. Who told in the, you this? My my mother worked in the <laughs> medical industry for a long time, right? Um, she used to she used to sell surgical equipment to surgeons in hospitals. On the street, outside the hospital. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she hey, got from hey. somewhere. <laughs> um, so so they they did like very extensive training, right? They would they would send her away for for uh, substantial amounts of time, and they'd do a lot of training to a point where you're theoretically supposed to be able to like accompany a surgeon through doing procedures, right? Um, like the training involved getting them to do surgery on pigs, like live pigs. Yeah. All kinds of wild stuff. Your mum um, has operated on a pig? Yes. And so I would, I would regularly come home and come home like from school and walk in and she'd be watching like a VHS that they had given her of some surgery. Um, you walk into the living room and there's like a, a laparoscopic hysterectomy happening on the big screen, you know? Um... And so she would tell me about being in theaters and watching surgeries and all of the different wild shit that you see. And she was like, you would think to yourself that they'd like be kind of gentle when they're doing stuff inside you. And that's not the case at all. She was like, if they're doing stuff inside your abdomen, they, they open you right up and they literally pull all of your like upper and lower intestines out and dump them into a bucket next to you. Right? Fuck. And then they get in and they do their stuff. And then when they're done, she says, they literally take the dish of all of that stuff and just tip it back in. That can't be right. And then what happens is your body, over the course of the next however long, reorganizes all of your intestines inside your body to go back into that familiar snaking look, you know? So they just just like... They, they slurp that whole thing in there. They've got one of those, like, the $3 red plastic buckets that you yep. buy for, <laughs> like, doing concreting at home. Mm-hmm. If you're the one medical doctor that I know listens to this podcast, please write in about anything you've just heard. <laughs> I'd love to have some insights here. 
Um, <laughs> what, what else do they do when they've got everything out? Do they do a little cleanup, just scrape yeah. some barnacles off the inside? They- <laughs> oh, look, uh, again, again, though. Compressed when, air. <laughs> like, like, have you ever watched, um, have you ever watched somebody get, um, uh, liposuction? No. 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 Yeah. <laughs> oh my of course god. Of course. Like so it's so hey, like people- Hey, we're going down to the old uh <laughs> liposuction viewing old surgery room. Surgery this weekend. <laughs> you put $2 in and the little pane of glass goes clear and you can see the <laughs> liposuction happening for 30 seconds. Um no, like it's it's staggering to see they like make make incisions like in the back of your thigh or whatever, right? And the surgeon, like, gets their whole hand in there to, like, separate the layer. Separate, the, like, the layer of fat and skin and stuff like that. And it looks like somebody, like, like I don't know, man. Looks like a fucking panel beater going to work. Like someone know? someone getting butter underneath a chicken skin. The, yeah, oh. yeah. But, but in terms <laughs> but of, in I'm reverse. talking about, in terms of the vigorousness of the movements for someone who has their hand under your skin... That shit is wild. It's no wonder that people come out of surgeries and stuff in recovery covered in massive bruises and like <laughs> feeling incredibly sore and everything. Because the and surgeon's because... going like Rocky punching the cow carcass <laughs> style on you. Absolutely. It is it is crazy to see like how how hard they go uh, when doing stuff like that. So, you know. Uh, I guess the point I was trying to make was what if you accidentally what, what if you accidentally put your forceps down in the bottom of that tray before you dump all the guts in it yeah. and then when you're finished you just yeah, pour it back, back in, in and it's underneath everything you know maybe maybe it's a really easy mistake to make <laughs> see I'm just looking at my desk right now and it is a fucking mess yeah. uh, and I'm just thinking maybe it's understandable that they lose scissors in there maybe you need to clean your slit mm-hmm. right you come Don't in there with a, with a slit that's just <laughs> it's got shit going everywhere, hither and thither. I'm suggesting maybe that they do the like the the pegboard tool thing, you know, where you draw an oh, outline yeah. around the tool so that you yeah. know that once the guts mm. are back in, if you're like, yeah, there's a scissor-shaped outline on the tray, but no scissors. Wait a damn second. Uh, I guess this this dude got himself fucked up with an arrow. Now that I think about it, yeah, yeah. Despite spending the last month in the hospital, Chris is expected to make a complete recovery. I don't know. I think anything where you've had to have eight surgeries and there's a bunch of nerve damage, that kind of precludes complete recovery in my imaginings. He's great. He's thriving. Oh, he's going to be out there in winter three years from now. Ooh. Ooh, I think just gets sore because of the time that uh, I I got shot. I got shot. I got shot preventing a robbery. It wasn't cartwheels. I think yeah. that, like, uh, you know, we should probably take the rule of thumb that where whenever someone has to come up with a complicated story as to how something got into their body, it was a sex thing that was happening. Yeah. Um, and given that it's an arrow and his foot does make it more complicated, the foot's not a traditional <laughs> orifice. So I think mm-hmm. that probably what we have to assume is that um, 
there's three friends. One of them is the photographer. One of them's holding the bow and the other one is the foot model. And right. their thing is that they pretend to fire arrows at feet. And unfortunately, Mr. Slippery Fingers loosed the arrow. Mm. Uh, and they've had to uh, reverse engineer it um, to, you know, so it's a more wholesome explanation for the boys in the chopper when they arrive. Yeah. Maybe it's a, maybe it's like... Um... <laughs> it definitely wasn't for Feet in Peril magazine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is the same way that William S. Burroughs' wife died, so it's actually quite tragic. <laughs> oh, Chris encourages all hunters to make sure they have a fresh first aid kit with them at all times while hunting, particularly one that has a quality tourniquet and plenty of gauze to apply to a wound and a helicopter. <laughs> my buddies saved my life out there by applying a tourniquet to my leg, says Landers. Otherwise, I would have bled to death right there on that mountain. I just want to, um, we, we did miss one paragraph here, which I think maybe is worth including. Oh. Uh, Lander's buddies thought he was messing around when he first told them he had taken an arrow to the leg. But as soon as he showed them the wound in the blood, the whole crew knew things were bad. They thought that he was lying because of Skyrim. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Because of the thing. Because of that thing from because Skyrim. The meme. Yeah, They're like, from... yeah, 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 you used to be an adventurer ha -ha. like us. We got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> He's on the crowd screaming, ha ha, very funny, Chris. <laughs> I like game the, came uh... out in 2012, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I like the suggestion that, um, that all it took was for his friends to see, like, a leader of blood, uh, you know, on his leg to go, something's up. <laughs> <laughs> I suspected hey. something was wrong with Chris when he was bleeding out. <laughs> Has he always got that much blood on his leg? <laughs> my goodness. Uh, oh, my goodness. Unfortunately, this type of accident happens more often than most people think. A similar instance took place recently in Colorado when a bow hunter was impaled above the knee by an arrow that had been left in the woods by another hunter. He should have gone with that. I fell on someone else's arrow. Yeah. He should have gone with that. Where, where's this other hunter? Uh, it's... This guy's like the other hunter is shopping at a supermarket and then all of a sudden he sees a little plus 10 points come up and he's not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> hunter is crippled. Huh? What? what? <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. Uh, Harry Sandler, Vice President of the Route County Search and Rescue, possibly Root, who knows, uh, says... <laughs> Welcome to Root County. <laughs> Welcome to Root County. Says, no one knows how long the lost arrow had been there, but it's the second year in a row that a bow hunter in this area has been injured by a lost arrow. Uh, these stories serve as a reminder for the need to look a little harder for arrows that miss their mark while hunting. There you go. Folks. We all get complacent, don't we? Yep, <laughs> we do. I'm leaving those fuckers all over the place. <laughs> They'll be seen. Someone else will pick them up. It's the council's job. As soon as I loose that arrow from yeah. my bow, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, as far as <laughs> That's I'm the concerned. world's arrow now. Yep. Someone else's problem. <laughs> it's a... Specifically, it back to nature. that guy got yeah. into the legs problem, yeah. <sighs> well... Sometimes uh, you're tipping a big bowl of guts back into someone you're doing surgery on, and sometimes you're tipping over a truck and a whole bunch of shit onto a highway. It must be time for the tipping report. 
I'm itching for another edition of the Tipping Report. I feel like we haven't had regular old truck tipping report in a while. No, it has been a little while, uh, which incidentally, I, I mentioned this before we started recording, but uh, Max was on the, the Genesis episode of the, the Tipping Report as well, so it feels nice. It's like I've gone full circle. I've got a vibe, you know? You just lend yourself to stories about car accidents. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. <laughs> uh, here we go. I have uh, 11 tons of live catfish spilt on Interstate 95 near Fayetteville, <laughs> North Carolina. That's a lot of catfish. <laughs> That's a lot of catfish on a single truck, isn't it? Uh, yeah. They should disperse that. Don't put all your live catfish. Kind of trading thing going on that I'm not aware of that would generate that much demand for live catfish in one place. Uh, They do things a little differently in the South. (laughs) I don't know if North Carolina is is in the South. Are the Carolinas the South? I don't know. They probably eat catfish there. There are some big time catfish merchants down South that are like, well, we could spread our load over a couple of trucks, but we're spending more on trucks. Put them on the one truck. This is why you can't just be profit-driven. It's the catfish that pay the price. Uh, I have... This is a direct quote here. Countless watermelons on Route 79 in Fall River, Massachusetts. That's just somebody lazy saying that. Yeah. I I think that I would be able to count a truck full of watermelons. Yeah, I mean, if it was my job to do so. If you're a yeah. professional watermelon counter. Yeah. yeah. Countless this guy is. Countless grains of rice... Yeah, sure. Mm, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, a truck full of sand has turned over. I'm not <laughs> counting all the sand. Fair enough. <laughs> there are more watermelon in this truck than there are stars in the sky. sky yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's warning. absolutely yeah, impossible to know how many watermelons could be in this single truck. Um, Some of them rolled out over there, so they might as well be gone. That the world's watermelons now. That's right. Have an unspecified amount of dihydrogen hexafluorotitanate, hydrofluoric acid, and hexofluorozirconic acid on Interstate 75 uh, near Stockbridge, Georgia. No Uh, breathing near Stockbridge, Georgia. Everybody, just hold your breath for... How long could it take? It's always hard to tell with these sorts of chemicals because they always sound very bad and then you just find out it's like one of the key ingredients in Pepsi or whatever, which doesn't necessarily mean it's not bad, I guess. I feel like enough of anything is often often bad. (laughs) That's so true. Have you guys ever seen a truck overturned but with its like content spilled? I've never seen that in my whole life. No, I don't think I have either. I've, I've seen them on their side. This uh, tipping report would have you believe that it's just a completely common occurrence. Well, yeah, this is what the mainstream media wants you to think, is that they bring you a select few stories and then try and imply that that's happening constantly. Yeah. Yeah. They're going, well, look, you know, you guys are all complaining about inflation and the economy and stuff when there's free three different kinds of acid to pick up off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like, as much as you can carry before your hands fall off and turn to bones. Everybody take your, take your little sand pails down there. <laughs> Free acid. Uh, I have a trailer full of sugar beets on 75th Avenue in Edwards Township, Minnesota. Okay, I wonder what's different. 
between them and, and regular beets. I assume well, that might have, just be... Yeah. No, well, that's what they make sugar out of in the, in the States. They don't yeah. have sugar cane. Yeah, they've only got corn and beetroot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, I wouldn't have pictured that at all. A sugar beet... Um, it's like a it's like a pale yellow color. A sugar beet is a plant whose root contains a high concentration of sucrose and which is grown commercially for sugar production. Making yeah. sugar out of beets. They they are yes. Uh, Five hundred liters of white paint on Indian Hills Drive in St George, Utah. Never going to get that out. No. <laughs> really, really confusing road markings now. <laughs> I don't know if you can overtake here. The whole road is white, so I think that technically constitutes a double line. I'm just, just going to stop here. <laughs> I'm going to wait further instructions. That's road international if... waters. <laughs> Anything goes. I think if the entire road is covered in white paint, that's a single line, surely. Well, it's an unbroken line. Yeah, it's one, so. solid. <laughs> I think technically it would also be a stop line, right? Because it's also at oh, the same yes. time yeah. covering from side to side as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows what to do there? There are law-abiding people in Utah as well. So you know, uh, a truckload of mud on Interstate 75 South <laughs> in Hillsborough <laughs> County, mud. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> That's irreplaceable. Yeah. So um, no one died, which is how this story is still in here. Yeah. Because uh, this is also a no-death segment, but. Eight people were hospitalized because apparently the mud instantly created an ice-like slick surface that caused like eight cars uh, to pile up. So that's that's fun to picture. Mm. Less fun. What, does it say where they were taking the mud? No, they had no details about the mud's intended purpose. Mud's destination. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was. Um... Oh, I hope it was that story that we had one time about like the the vacant lot where they were just yeah. bringing stuff and dumping it. <laughs> Lady across eight, the street freaking eight out. high spill. Hey, they bought another trailer load of mud in today. <laughs> Shipping it from a completely different country. <laughs> <laughs> that would uh, have to also be an extremely expensive substance to ship. Yeah. Very heavy to get and also, a trailer load of mud. If you want some mud, that's yeah. just wet dirt. You got dirt in a garden hose? Yeah. DIY mud, baby. That's free. It's true. E- even if you don't have dirt near you, you can ship the dirt and add yeah. your own water. You can kind of find dirt, I feel. Like, regardless of where you live, you're probably not far from a source of dirt. Some places are sandy. Some places um, have a lot of um, uh, loam. Loam. Right? Some, yeah. some places are loamy. Yeah. Just door dashing a bucket of mud. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, DoorDash guy told me there's no mud at the store. And I get in there and the shelves are full of mud. <laughs> he said he hey, couldn't find topical. dirt or water. <laughs> uh, I have a truck full of spaghetti sauce on Interstate 290 in, mia. in Worcester, Massachusetts. Although they probably pronounce it Worcester or some dumb shit there because it's America. So what are we calling spaghetti sauce? Is it red sauce? Is that red sauce? Spaghetti sauce is like a because it could a, be white a, a marinara sauce. to me. Yeah, it's a, mm. it's a, it was a red sauce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Although I, I could also take spaghetti sauce to imply like a meat sauce as well. Oh, a ragu. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it mm. could easily be a bolognese. Yeah. yeah. What I'm Maybe. saying is that taxonomically, it yeah. could also include a nice carbonara. I don't think so. Eggs in there, <laughs> nicely sealed, not scrambled. I'm sorry, I don't want to be confrontational on your <laughs> podcast, Theo, but I just don't think so. I think the platonic ideal of a pasta sauce is red. 
Yeah, if you're if they're just saying spaghetti sauce and not providing any other information, it's a red sauce. We're all agreeing. It's a majority yeah. rule here on this show. Oh, it was it's a, a pasta primavera, I'm just not ready to actually. make those assumptions. <laughs> well, you don't have to, Theo, but we, we've raised a quorum and the sauce is red. <laughs> You've been voted out. I'm sorry. Uh, I hope it's not a meat sauce because I think that's going to make a tremendous difference to the urgency to clean it up. Yeah. You know? If you've just got like a like a, a tomato-based marinara kind of sauce. Yeah, the out, vinegar out in the there sun, will keep the tomatoes good for a while. Yeah, and also I think like when that gets hot in the sun, that's not really ruining anyone's day. Whereas uh, highway covered in meat sauce, you know... Couple yeah, of hot people, days in a row. People are driving over it. They're getting beef all mashed in their in their tires. Yep, <laughs> tire tread all filled with beef. You get home. I hate that. I hate house that. stinks like pizza sauce. <laughs> what are you doing out there? I'm just scraping the beef out of the cracks in my tires. <laughs> beef in your treads. It's so dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Sliding around on the road. <laughs> over thirty Americans die every year from unchecked beef treads. <laughs> Please, you can please. you can take a screw and put it in your tire tread and pull out beef. Your car's not safe to drive. <laughs> if the beef is up to the depth mark on your tread, doing it's a, time to clear the beef out. Doing doing road safety PSAs, imploring people to start using lean beef in their spaghetti sauce. <laughs> I have one more here, uh, and this is a sort of like a precursor to the one we just had. Several tons of tomatoes on Highway 120 in Escalon, California. That's going to be a spaghetti sauce. Yeah, you want to get people driving over that straight away if you want to develop a spaghetti sauce. Ideally, a a truck with Italian herbs will also overturn. (laughs) Hang on, did I just say Orpino thinking that... No, that's, that's grapes. That's, that's, it's grapes that wine are made out of. That's right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. We we just for a second thinking that the Italians were over there having their um having their spaghetti sauce based alcohol. I don't know. I, I pictured <laughs> I pictured the feet smushing them up. Tomatoes, yeah. Tomatoes, but that's just how they make passata. I think. It, isn't it funny that that's an acceptable way to have our wine made? But if you pictured somebody making your spaghetti sauce <laughs> yes. by tramping up and down in a big pot of tomatoes, suddenly not so appealing, is it? And they cook the tomatoes, you know? Yeah. They're not cooking the wine. you still got all that feet in there. That's how I scramble my eggs. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I whip my cream. It's really hard. <laughs> Andrew gets hours. in there with a couple of steel-capped boots and just starts thrashing around. <laughs> oh. Uh... Hot truckload of beef in the sun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a little something that we would call in this new segment. Smells that make you go, huh? That about right, Ben? Yeah. I mean, I know you wanted a song, but yeah, I, well, I, I didn't, didn't have time. This, week. <laughs> um, this is a, a story from the newspaper, The Express Times, in eastern Pennsylvania. DEP gets whiff of mysterious maple syrup smell in Bethlehem, hits spray tech with violations. Spray tech? Spray tech. Spray tech. I'm That's immediately right. getting, like, Robocop. Yeah, have, Omnicorp absolutely. vibes from spray yeah. tech. <laughs> the sweet smell of maple syrup or popcorn 
Okay. Well, that's they're not that similar. Uh, that wafted over parts of Bethlehem in recent weeks was really a spray drying plant running afoul. Hmm. A spray drying plant. A now, spray drying plant. That's right. Usually, the sprays are wet. Traditionally, in my experience. Yeah, you don't get a spray is sprayed with dry objects. No. Not even like a fine powder, I wouldn't call that a spray. But a spray of gunfire. Interesting. What? (laughs) A spray of flowers could be dry. Oh, that's true. That is another (laughs) use of the word spray. Isn't this fun? (laughs) (laughs) We've become an ABC podcast. Get in touch if you can think of any other ways to use the word spray that yeah. we might not have thought of. Oh, um, like... If you yep, know how to get yep. Tiger Webb on the show. We'll... <laughs> uh, sometimes yelling at somebody is... A spray giving, of giving words. A spray. Yeah. Yep. Spray yeah. Of I would call that wet. You know? Yeah. Well, oh, depends, depends, how you do it. depends how you do it. Did anyone use this time to Google what spray drying is? No. I was really hoping that... Someone with, you know, maybe a really low attention span. No, my keyboard isn't actually working right now. The, none of the keys, when I press them, are making that keys is the appear on the screen. Best thing that has ever happened to you. <laughs> uh, according to the faultless online encyclopedia, Wikipedia, spray drying is a method of changing a dry powder from a liquid or slurry by rapidly drying it with a hot gas. This is the preferred method of drying of many thermally sensitive materials, such as foods and pharmaceuticals, or materials which may require extremely consistent fine particle size. Air is the heated drying medium, however, if the liquid is a flammable solvent, such as ethanol, or the product is oxygen sensitive, then nitrogen is used. Congratulations. You You have learnt one thing this episode. Yay. Following complaints, the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection says it sent out, quote, odour patrols five times late last month to track the source of the mysterious smells. They picked up the scent on September 22nd, leading them to Spray Tech on Avenue B in Bethlehem near Lehigh Valley International Airport. The result was a notice of violation to the New Jersey-based company for, quote, malodorous emissions that were detectable outside the property. I think that's harsh. I, mm. I actually think I actually think the whole thing's a wash. If it smells good, that's fine. Don't yeah. try yeah. not to do it. But if it smells good, that's okay. That's, that's a fair point, actually. I would say that's a misuse of malodorous. This is benodorous. What's the? How would you say <laughs> mellifluous? No, what does that mean? That's actually your name. If no one else <laughs> say it, I will. Oh, oh, that's true. Wow, what a lovely coincidence. What's Latin for good? Yeah, mellifluous is about sounds. I got that one wrong. Yeah, like if it's a pleasant smell, that doesn't seem to be a violation of that law at all. Ah, it smells like popcorn. They're very objective. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, there was no violation as well for installing a new spray dryer without state approval. The DEP has requested Spraytech submit a plan to correct the situation within 15 days of the notice, dated October 4th. Spraytech, which also has plants in New Jersey and Wisconsin, did not respond to requests for comment from LehighValleyLive.com on Thursday. The violation notice did not specify what caused the smell. At a recent Bethlehem City Council meeting, a resident complained that he and his neighbours want to know if the source is potentially hazardous. DEP spokeswoman Colleen Connolly 
uh, said the source will be determined when Spraytech responds to the department with corrective action. Connolly said the department received 11 complaints from residents about the smells over three weeks in September. She declined to elaborate on how the, quote, odour patrols traced the smell, <laughs> citing department policy. Oh, they're not going to release that uh, that odour tracking technology. Why is that we, a We secret? all know that it's a guy in a go-kart holding the smell horn up one nostril <laughs> as he zips around the city. It's also so funny, like, to hear about, like, civil issues in Bethlehem. It's like hearing a whole bunch of toilets are backed up in Narnia or something. (laughs) (laughs) The fictional city of Bethlehem. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you think the Bible is real now, Ben? Uh, Also, sorry, this wasn't really enough to do a a whole segment for, but... uh, that smell that was in the last time that we did Smells That Make You Go Ha, which was also oh, yeah. the first time we did Smells That Make You Go Ha, they found out what it was. Uh, it was... I'm sorry, I should have probably actually written this down. <laughs> oh, it's from an asphalt plant. Yeah, it's probably not that great. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's not... Classic stinky place. Yeah, but it's not any of the many... <laughs> the diaper factory, the, you know, every other place that they listed off. I guess they just for- forgot to check this one. Do we um? Do we agree on what our antonym is for malodor? Uh, I'm, I'm going to submit redolence. Is that? Uh, I thought uh, something could be redolent. Oh no, that doesn't necessarily relate to smell, though, does it? Redolence, by definition, a sweet or pleasant smell. Oh, that's quite nice. And an antonym f- for redolence is malodor. Yeah, right. We did learn something today. <laughs> Unless the antonym is just odor, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mal odor is like evil odor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a sort of Luigi Waluigi situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, that. Uh, I think that technically constitutes an episode of the podcast Punta Vista. Now, Max, as we mentioned uh, up the tippy top, you have a new podcast. Um, I believe it's called The Horse and the Rider. There's three episodes out so far, and it is. It's novel length, uh, a novel length narrative podcast. Is that true? Would you agree with that characterization? Answer that is the question. A very good uh, synopsis of it, Ben. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Um, it's a it's it's a, a long story. It was a novel, uh, but then I decided to read it out loud into a microphone and put sound effects and music to it as well. So that makes it a podcast. That's how yeah. it works. Um, <laughs> I I th- you know I would I would love people to. Listen to it because um, in it um, I give all of the details that you would need uh, to donate money to me. So oh. I won't I won't sully your podcast by sharing those details, but I've sullied mine. So please <laughs> listen to it. Um, and you know, at the end of the uh, most recent episode, I, you know, I make a suggestion. Um, you know, it, it is a suggestion; it's not a requirement, obviously. But um, if you like it, maybe you could go for a twenty-five minute drive with someone that you know uh, and just put on the whole thing for them to listen to. Because uh, you know, I don't think people take it seriously when you recommend a podcast to them. Um, uh, but if you force them to listen to it because you mm. play it to them while you're in the car and you, you've locked the doors potentially, um, that's that's a really good thing to do. So while I appreciate you having me on the podcast today um, to do this plug, um, if you guys could actually each 
um, take one person in your life for a 25-minute ride. Doesn't you know? It can be a 25-minute round trip. Doesn't have to be a destination that's 25 minutes away. Um, that would also be great for me, for me yeah. personally. That would I, be awesome. I'd, I'd recommend a single trip, though. I think you really do want it to be unbroken. I specifically choose to listen to the episodes when I know I'm doing a drive that's over. 15 minutes you did provide some hyper specific examples of 25 minute drives uh for a number of international cities uh a brisbane one that i would offer up is maybe if you were driving from oh milton to wishart uh that's probably about 25 minutes if the traffic is bad so if you were say driving from my place to theo's place uh that'd that's kind of the perfect length for that. Andrew, do you know of any 25 to 30 minute drives in Canberra? Ooh, let me think. Uh, oh, I think it would probably take about that long uh, for me to get from my house to Parliament House. Oh. Uh, yeah. Where the Prime Minister jacks off in front of all the other politicians. Just depending on how much info you've got in the back of your car <laughs> at the time. If you don't have a 25-minute drive, perhaps you and a loved one can uh, just uh, turn on the car in the garage and listen to a bit. Are you glad you came on here to... Is this, and and is this just give her wanted? some revs when something you like happens on the podcast. When you, when you agree with it. <laughs> hey, that's ca- Max. Yeah. <laughs> Let the car be part of the experience, you know. <laughs> Uh, my my suggestion would be, clap. I mean, my my suggestion would mainly be, uh, make sure that the podcast is like queued up on your phone for when before you get in the car, so that you don't have to like look at your car while you're driving or anything, and wait until the car is moving at a decent clip before you ominously push the button that locks all the doors in the car. Yeah, because yeah. if you if you do it like yeah. while you're sitting in the driveway and you haven't backed out yet or anything, they they can just hop out. Of you don't the car. want them to miss. They can out just hop out with no consequences. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's got to be consequences, yeah, or they're listening yeah. to the show. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. So it's called the Horse and the Rider. Um, thank you, Bunta Vista, um, for joining my pos- podcast network. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you for, for finally accepting the application and fees. <laughs> See you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.